Hello, Marvelites. Welcome to This Week in Marvel, episode number 336. I'm Ryan Panagos, a.k.a. Agent M, joined by... Marvel.com and season editor Tucker Marcus. Yes, and in addition to evil producer Brandon listening to us and critiquing us throughout the recording, we've got, <gasps> we've got a secret guest in the room. She's, she's listening, uh, and eventually you may hear her. But I will leave it at that. That's a little bit of a tease for something in the future. Right now, though, Tucker, we got some big old news. Oh, yeah. Big old news this week is Marvel's Spider-Man for PlayStation 4. So many updates, details, and reveals mm-hmm. this week. It's been intense. First of all, if you're living under a rock and you ain't heard yet, Marvel Spider-Man for PlayStation 4 comes out September 7th, 2018. We now have a release date, which means everyone take a week's vacation mm-hmm. starting September 7th. Do nothing but play the game. You're going to have to. I love taking what I call gamecations, oh, Tucker. Yeah. It's it. It brings me joy. Yeah. That yeah. you know that will come soon uh after my my ultimate gamecation which is unrelated my trip to the World Board Gaming Championships every summer. Yes. Thank you. I I I want you to take like a GoPro and I want that strapped <laughs> to your head live. and yeah like I want you filming your yeah. experience there cuz well, let me just say it's exactly what you expect. <laughs> fantastic. <laughs> uh in addition to the release date we saw the gorgeous box art uh which looks great. Mm-hmm. Spidey in in the white spider suit. Magnifique. Uh, You can see that art on our social channels on Marvel.com. Now, we have a bunch of different versions of the game uh, release that you can get. First is the standard edition. Gets you the full game. But if you pre-order it, you'll get the Spider-Punk outfit as seen by Hobie wearing. uh, Hobie Brown was wearing it Mm -hmm. in the Spider-Verse event, which is one of my favorite looks for a Spider-Man character. So cool. Yeah. Uh, I just, that makes me really happy that that's the one we like went out the gate with. We're right. like, extra suits, here you go. Spider yeah. Punk. Yeah. Uh, plus two more Spidey outfits that have not yet been revealed. Ooh. Uh, I don't, at this point, I should have asked someone. Yeah. I don't know what they are. Right. <laughs> I could probably call Bill Roseman and be like, Bill, what are the others? And he'll yeah. be like, okay, true believer, yeah, yeah. let me tell you. And yeah. then we, we would get it. And I love Bill uh, so much. Uh, yeah. He's just such a beacon of, of hope and excitement. Yeah, he's the greatest. Uh, plus, you get the spider drone gadget, plus Spider-Man PlayStation 4 avatar, a theme, and five extra skill points. Wow. That's just pre-ordering the standard edition. It's wow. like- how could we give away so much so for free? <laughs> Let's do it. And then, no, we have more. There's a digital deluxe edition, which gets you the same bonuses if you pre-order it, plus a Spider-Man physical pin that I must have. It's got Spidey in the white spider suit. Mm. It looks so cool. Look, I gave in. I'm I'm in on the pin game. I'm In on like, pin? I'm in on pin. Wow. That's me. It's going to be on my tombstone. <laughs> uh, and we have uh, that that you get that's a physical thing that you get for pre-ordering the digital deluxe edition but there's more you get the city that never sleeps aka three post-launch story chapters plus new missions suits and characters it's so much it's so exciting but you know what tucker there's more what yes there's a third edition the granddaddy of them all maybe the collector's edition you pre-order that one you get 
the pre-order bonuses from the standard edition, plus the City That Never Sleeps post-launch DLC content, plus a custom steelbook that includes the full game. And I wrote Goal Game on my notes here. <laughs> so, uh, including the Goal, goal game. game. Goal Game. That's where I go to the beach and try to capture as many birds with my bare hands as Look, possible. I'll be honest. <laughs> if that was a mini game in Marvel Spider-Man, I would be yeah. real yeah. into it. Yeah. Anyway, you get the full game, plus a mini art book, plus a white spider sticker, plus a Marvel Spider-Man statue. That will be revealed this summer. Interesting thing about the statue and the graphic, you can see uh, this graphic on Marvel.com and our social channels, and the tease on the statue says Raft. Ooh. R-A-F-T. Raft. Uh, I mean... if it's what I had seen, then I think I know what it is. If right. not, I'm I'm excited to be surprised, yeah, just yeah. like everybody else. Yeah. We'll find out more about that in the future. Um, we also got a new video showing some gameplay, a rad feature in Game Informer. I, w- I can't even say a rad feature. It's the cover story on Game Informer. Yeah. It's like 14 pages yeah. long yeah. and tons of bonus content. That a ridiculous Alex Ross cover. Oh, my gosh. Insane. Yes. Yeah. Yes. The Alex Ross cover. I love Game Informer. I've been a, a subscriber for a long time. Mm-hmm. I know a bunch of the the folks over there. Uh, Andrew Rayner, who's like the executive editor over there, great dude. He he helped spearhead uh, on this side the Game Informer stuff. I was emailing with him this week. It's just it's dope. I'm yeah. very excited. You guys should definitely check that out uh, at Game Informer and on their site. All their content around this. Uh, plus, uh, we have a great blog post by the one and only Bill Roseman, who we were talking about, Marvel Games creative director. Your man at Marvel. Yeah, he's my man. At Marvel, not yours. M A N N, just to be clear for everyone out there. Right. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> uh, all of this is hype. We're very excited. Yeah. This was a big week for Marvel Spider Man for PlayStation. I got to ask, when was the last time you got your hands on this game? What? Um, this, sometime at the end of, of 2017. Oh, yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. Oh, I played. A lot of I know. That's what I, I was, was going to say. Real into it. Right. Yeah. They had Eric Monticelli, one of the producers on the game, uh-huh. had to pry the controller <laughs> from my grasp. Yeah. I hissed at him like yeah. an angry cat yeah. and then skulked away, <laughs> uh, which is the what I do with most people yeah. anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I hiss and, and walk away. <laughs> uh, it, it's very exciting. Very lots more to come uh, as we get to September 7th, 2018, for the release of Marvel Spider Man for PlayStation 4. Now, there's other stuff going on this week. We have C2E2, which mm-hmm. I will be going to. That's in Chicago. Tucker, you ever been to Chicago? I haven't. That's it? No. <laughs> you ever you ever, you ever want to go there? Uh, have you ever traveled outside of the tri-state area? Uh, oh, wait. Where, where's this world championships of game boxing? Pennsylvania. <laughs> <laughs> so, close. technically, but yeah, yeah, close. not really. Okay. 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 Anyway, C2E2, super fun convention. I've been going to it uh, with Marvel for many years. I will be hosting the House of Ideas panel uh, with Lorraine Sink. She'll mm-hmm. be right there beside me. Uh, we're sort of tag teaming it. We've got folks from uh, Wolverine The Long Night who will be on the panel doing some Q&A. Doing some reveals, sharing some secrets. Uh, It's very exciting. That should be a really great panel. And I am bringing stuff that I'm not going to leave Chicago with. What happens to it when it gets to Chicago, (laughs) I don't know. But uh, I'm taking stuff with me. It ain't coming home with me. If you want to have a chance to get that, maybe you should show up to the House of Ideas panel. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. Uh, we, I also will be hosting the True Believers panel on Sunday, and that is a, nice. uh, is a good one because uh, something we'll get to in the news, we, we teased out a new story 
in Marvel Comics, and we're going to be giving more info at the True Believers panel. Reminder, to get into the True Believers panel, you either have to have a Marvel MasterCard or be a Marvel Unlimited Plus subscriber. Uh, but it's worth it. Those are really fun panels. We we show you things that nobody else gets to see. Uh, I saw another note uh, that I think we're going to be showing something that is several months before anyone else gets to see it. So cool things aplenty. You definitely want to show up. And of course, Judy Stevens will be doing uh, Women of Marvel. Mm -hmm. There'll be other panels. Editor-in-Chief C.B. Sibolsky will be there. Uh, Ricky Purden, talent manager, will be there. Tons of artists will be there. Uh, Lorraine and I will be shooting for Earth's Mightiest Show. I'll be doing some stuff for This Week in Marvel. We're going to have Scotty Young, Aaron Cooter, Fred Tatashore, who is legendary voice actor and he's so good he's so talented um we we had him on thwip the big marvel show last year i don't think we've actually actually ever had him on this week in marvel uh maybe when stromi was here but fred is fantastic he is a sweetheart he's a big just teddy bear of a man and Mm -hmm. so knowledgeable and fun uh and we'll have javier garon so it's gonna be a lot of fun a lot of content that we're gonna gather for you guys uh so if you are in chicago Hit me up. Let me know. Want to say hi. Give you a high five. And that's that. Oh, we're also shooting with uh, Stern Pinball. They oh, yeah. uh, they make some uh, pinball machines for Marvel. They had Iron Man. There was a Spider-Man movie machine. I, I have to say machine because Ron Richards will yell at me if I say table. When we were kids, it was huh. a pinball table, right? Yeah. Like, I'm looking at you guys. It was a table. And I said it yesterday, just in casual conversation yeah. with Ron. He was like, pinball machine. <laughs> I was like, okay, Ron. Whatever, dude. Whoa. Uh, but so they did a Spider-Man movie machine, and then they re-released it with Mark Bagley art for uh, awesome. an Ultimate Spider-Man machine, and they have a Guardians of the Galaxy machine. So we're very excited. We're going to do some content with them. Uh, I don't know anything about like the machinations right. behind these machines, yeah. so I'm really, really excited for this one. Lean. Isn't that something you could do on, on a uh Oh, I think you've like lean machine. I don't... Your lean. Brain. You hit the like. Don't you can't like lean the tape. The tilt. I mean tilt. <laughs> that's it. Wow, wow. You're worse than I am. <laughs> Tremendous. Uh, that's great. Uh, on the uh, comic front, there some ads are running starting this week for the X Men Wedding Special. I just wanted to point this out because it just says that Chris Claremont is joining Mark Guggenheim, Kelly Thompson, and more awesome creators for this wedding special. Uh, everybody loves you know like classic Uncanny X Men run. Yeah. And you all, you want more Chris. You want more Chris Claremont writing X-Men? You're going to get it. It's very cool. Shout out to uh, a friend, writer, and awesome dude, Charles Soule, on the yeah. release of his first novel, The Oracle Year. came out this week. Uh, I don't know how he writes it's all insane. the comics he does. It's Daredevil, st- two Star Wars, or two. Uh, yeah. Darth Vader and Poe right. Dameron. I'm yeah. not crazy. Yeah, yeah. He writes two. Yeah. And, and more. Astonishing well, X-Men. Yes. And write, writing a novel, like yeah. going on a book tour, just crazy. I don't know how he does it. Stay sane. Yeah. And he's a great dude. Uh, so I, I want to say congratulations to him on the release of the book. Uh, any Twim listeners, let us know if you've picked it up and uh, what you think. And just tweet to Charles. He's so appreciative of the support from the comics community. Uh, just an update on Macat Lola, as I've talked about on the show. Yeah. Uh, she started chemotherapy this week uh, for her cancer. Uh, she took the first uh, dose really well. Uh, it's, it's weird. We, we give her a pill Monday, Wednesday, Friday for eight weeks Mm -hmm. and it's a small pill. So it fits in her little pill pockets that she likes. Yeah. 
but I have to handle the pill with gloves right, on. Right. Uh, and like have to be careful to, the way I put the pill in. It's, it's really intense. Uh, but she ate up her first dose and she seemed normal. She wanted more food later that night and she's hung okay. out. She does, you know, doing what she normally does, cuddling me, hanging out yelling at me, uh, being a cat. So it's good. Uh, it's, it's going positive. Thanks for all the, uh, the, the well wishes and the positive support yeah. on that one. Uh, last two notes. I was on Earth's Mightiest Show this week talking about X-Men Grand Design with Chris Robinson. Oh, yeah, so, so good. Uh, it's, and the thing is, you got to smell it. I right, say, right. I suggest everyone buy a copy of the X-Men Grand Design, uh, you know, the big edition. But even if you don't buy it, go into your local comic shop and just smell it. And then the clerk will be like, excuse me, sir or madam, can you not smell it? And you'll be like, I have to. Marvel's yeah. podcast told me to. Yeah. And so that's what you're going to do. Uh, so I was on that show and I was also on uh, an episode of Marvel Let's Play with Chris Gethard. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Where we played a little Lego Marvel Superheroes 2. And oh, evil producer Brandon is pointing down at paper which I think means we're going to have Chris Gethard's interview in this episode, Ooh. which is great. I adore Chris. I, I think his work is amazing. Mm -hmm. He's so funny, so talented. Uh, uh, Tucker, you sideswiped side him. Yeah, I did. Uh, which was great, watching his reaction. <laughs> yeah. The whole thing was really fun. I think we have video of it, so hopefully that video will go out with the release mm -hmm. of this episode. But uh, yeah, stay tuned later in the show for Chris Gethard. It's a week. There's a whole lot. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, I think now it is time for us to get into our picks of the week. Reminder, if you are not listening to Marvel's The Pull List, you should be. You should be. Because me and Tucker, we talk about comics. We talk about comics until the cows come home. And <laughs> now the cows have come home, and we've got three issues to dive into. The first one is going to be uh, All New Wolverine. I'm going to start things off um, because, man, this book. This book is tremendous. I think... In the th almost three years that this series has been coming out, hmm. I've had this on my picks, you know, going back to when Ben was here, yeah. when you were, you know, a zygote. <laughs> is that a thing? That's a zygote. Zygo. Yeah. It's like a little tiny, yeah. not not baby Yeah, yeah. Thing, you right? look that up in the back of your science tech book. I know my it's science. the last word in there. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> way back when, I mean, I was picking this book so many times. Probably... If we had someone who could do statistics and figure out information, mm. we would find out how many times I picked it. I would say at least 10 or more. Has Tom been writing it since uh, since the start of this run? Yeah, Tom's been yeah. doing all new from the, the beginning. It's so, so good. Yeah, and it's, yeah. it's such a, a great run. He's had a lot of amazing collaborators on it. So we have Tom Taylor as the writer. Ramon Rosanas is the artist on this issue uh, who's, you know, he does not have an easy uh, set of shoes to fill mm -hmm. because it's been some great writers and uh, great artists throughout but Ramon Rosanas kills it here Nolan Woodard great colors and Corey Petit great letters yeah. as well uh, always wonderful covers by David Lopez a uh, buddy of mine I'm so glad to see him doing Marvel work um, and so this one it, it really scratches a very specific itch I have mm. for comics of giving me that like sort of almost what if scenario alternate universe type story yeah uh, but with the characters we love and just seeing where they are when things have changed. In this case, it's the future, right? We're mm -hmm. in the not so distant future uh, as this story is old woman, Laura. That's the name of the, the tale. Mm -hmm. And we see Laura a couple years later, 
down the line. She's uh, she's got some gray in her hair, or it's kind of white, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Uh, she is queen. She's a queen. <laughs> yeah. Uh, she's queen of Madripoor, uh, and she's you know got all her queenly business to to take care of. But we see Wolverine in the beginning of the book. We find out that this freaking Wolverine is Gabby. Gabby has taken on that mantle, and it's man, it's so good. It's it, so good. She's got this sort of like Tron Daft Punk mm-hmm. type outfit on. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's got some like laser claw action. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and the cool thing, the thing that should have tipped me off right in the beginning is she gets shot, mm-hmm. a laser blown right through like her, Bugs Bunny style. Yeah. Yeah. And she doesn't flinch. And I should have known that was Gabby instantly because right. Gabby does not feel pain. Yeah. Uh, she heals just like Laura does, but she doesn't feel pain. But it's such a you know great story. We we get Gabby taking up the mantle of Wolverine, her doing some action, and then right into the emotional stuff. And we get little bits and pieces. One of those things that I love about alternate universes, what ifs, future stories is the the details about where we how we got there. We right. talk about it in Marvel 2 and 1 yeah. uh with, you know, this alternate universe that they go to and in here you find out who Laura loved and maybe lost, mm-hmm. who Gabby is married to, some children. Uh oh, got to got to Make sure everybody knows, Panagos the Pelican, <laughs> Jonathan the Wolverine, safe. They're good. They are fine. You don't need to send notes uh, of, of worry to Tom. Uh, they made it through I, I, the I also, future safe. I want to note that uh, Pelicans also play. They're like a bonus round in the goal games. Um, <laughs> but it, we can talk about that more later. Yeah. I, you know what? You need to get on the horn to Bill Roseman and be goal like, games. Bill, we've got some goal <laughs> games we really want to want to pitch you on. Um, so we get lots of details about this world and how they got there uh, and some art for it. You know, we see some flashbacky bits. Mm-hmm. So it's flash forward, but flashback. But not all the way back. Right. Right. Uh, cool things. We get to see uh, a really great appearance by Kamala Khan. Yeah. Which, oh, it was so awesome. I was like. It's so this perfect. Is the best. Yeah. I was so excited. Uh, there's villains. There's uh, maybe a little Doctor Doom action. So much more. Uh, I talked about Ramon Rosanas, and he did really great run on Ant Man with Nick Spencer a while ago, mm-hmm. and and he's you know done a ton of work. Uh, this I think shows how well he handles those emotional beats. You've got especially there's a conversation between Gabby and Laura that is m- like mostly silent, yeah. and the way he does. Their, their body language and the facial expressions. And then like there's a moment where it's just like Gabby gets hit by a truck. Yeah. A, yeah. Like an emotional yeah, truck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he he absolutely nails it. And we know like Tom has become one of my favorite writers, yeah. uh, favorite Australians. I think he's, sure. he's up there. Yeah. You know. We're right up there with Ian Thorpe. Ian Thorpe, no former one Olympic swimmer. Thank you very much. I believe he swam in the 2000 Sydney Olympics. <laughs> Do not ask why I remember his name. <laughs> All right, so Ian Thorpe enthusiast, Tucker Marcus, uh, is also a big fan of Australians. Uh, yeah. No, Tom Tom has been killing it. Incredible. I, I'm, I'm sad that this is the end of, of Tom's run mm-hmm, on mm-hmm. Uh, All New Wolverine. He's still writing X-Men Red, yeah. and you know we know Laura and Gabby are in that. Yeah. And Wolverine, X-23, Laura and, and her family will be in great hands yeah. going forward. Yeah. But this is like this is the way I want this series to end. Completely. Big and pu- just 
open to possibilities. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it really feels it's so cool to see the just like the fully matured, literally and kind of figuratively version of uh, Laura and Gabby, but most specifically their relationship. Like the scene you were talking about where they have this conversation, it is. It, when it starts, it is hilarious. Yeah. And there's some su- super funny uh, back and forth that we've come to expect between these two characters. Uh, and then, like you said, it just moves so organically and beautifully into this really intense, very emotional conversation. And it just works perfectly. You know, it, it, it's so cool to see his command of these characters at this point in the story. And it just works perfectly. Yeah. The only thing I hope we see in this is Deadpool. Because I love... Yeah. The way Deadpool has been weaved into, especially Gabby's story, yeah, completely. and their like best friendship. Um, and Tom is insanely good at writing Deadpool. Yeah, great issue. And I think if you've not been reading all new Wolverine, you can dive right into this and and just yeah. get a really cool story. Yeah. Uh, but I highly suggest you pick up or read on Marvel Unlimited the entire run mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. all new Wolverine. Yeah. My pick this week is The Punisher number two hundred and twenty three. Which is written by Matthew Rosenberg with art by Guillou Villanova, colors by Lee Lowridge, letters by Corey Petit. Uh, this is the culmination of uh, Matt's first arc on this book, which is called Punisher War Machine. And it, of course, is Frank Castle inside uh, James Rhodes' old mech, uh, the War Machine armor, which I- I've said from the beginning just makes so much sense. Rhodey is this benevolent really thoughtful uh, character was. I mean, he, he is a character. He is, <laughs> you know. Sure. But, what, well, it's interesting that, that that comes up specifically because we'll get to that more towards the end of this book and this issue specifically. But anyway, it, it, it you know, he as the War Machine, iconic, legendary figure in Marvel Comics, but to hand that, title specifically and all the abilities that that mech has over to you know the deadliest vigilante uh around is so perfect uh at the end of the last issue uh the this kind of uh wild dictator in chernaya which is uh, a country in in eastern europe uh he launched a nuclear bomb uh at, at kind of at his wits end with Frank Castle, uh, you know, messing up all of his business, he just decided to launch a nuke. And so we pick up right in the middle of the action with Frank Castle in the war machine armor, chasing down a nuke, uh, a nuclear missile. It is so awesome. Something that runs throughout this book and really this series uh, is Guyu's insane, perfect command of like motion and capturing visually like things moving at like bullet speed. Uh, because just the line work uh, and uh, kind of the the, the body positions, um, as uh, you know, as we see here, as Frank chases down uh, this missile, he detonates the missile. He explodes the missile, but grabs the warhead, so the nuke does not explode. And then we get down into some. I also like in the in the like sort of the chase. Yeah. He's sacrificing bits and pieces of the armor and his ability to function if he needs to right. in order to to get this. Yeah. So he's like, uh, all right, can the can I shoot this thing down? No. Great. Drop the guns because they're just slowing us mm-hmm. down. Mm-hmm. And the armor's like, 
uh, excuse me, sir, yeah. we need all these yeah. things. And he's just like, just let it go. Yeah. yeah, that's been such a cool little thing as Frank has the armor to that the armor itself is kind of a, a nice little character where it kind of gives him updates and things like that. Almost all of which he immediately ignores. Um, then uh, as he's there, uh, Nick Fury, who is not happy with any of this business uh, at this point, he thinks he sent him there on a mission. Frank very quickly went out of bounds on that mission and he's kind of gone rogue. Uh, Nick Fury is on the other line trying to stop him. Now he shuts down his armor. So what does Frank Castle do? He just steps on out. And it's just him in his classic Punisher armor. I love that, like, I guess this whole time he's just wearing wearing his, like, classic Frank Castle cargo pants the whole time. <laughs> but, like, he's like, I need my comfy pants. Yeah. I need to have my, my special shirt. shirt. Yeah. Like, I'm going to wear my best to get into the War Machine yeah. armor. Uh, it is so cool because he's kind of taking on these henchmen now uh, who see that, who they themselves have these mech suits. Uh, they are shut down at the same time. It's kind of like a... Like an like a, uh, an energy blast or something that shuts down their armor. <laughs> Some sort of EMP. Yeah, yeah. Electromagnetic pulse for you non-scientists Ooh, around wow. here. Yeah, there's a scientist in the building. Uh, anyway, uh, uh, they remark to each other like that. He, that he, finally, oh God, thank he doesn't have this suit anymore. And then Frank, there's this perfect panel, one of my favorite panels of the week. He, it's just looking up at him from this low angle, and he just says, "You think that makes me more dangerous or less?" Uh, and he proves that it's pretty much he's pretty much equally as capable either way. Um, he takes these guys down. Then he goes on and uh, uh, to fight a, a a working mech suit uh, soldier. There's a really awesome scene where this is getting back into that motion that I was talking about, where the uh, he just clings on to just just him, just in his nice fa- favorite t-shirt, uh, his long sleeve tee. Got to protect those arms. Oh, yeah. Um, need, the, need the guns to function yeah. properly. Uh, he just clings on to this mech suit as it's like shooting towards the sky. The guy's essentially trying to shake him off. Uh, Frank is trying to access the weak points in between the the armor just to, 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 to try and get some stabs in. He ultimately rips out like the energy source of the armor. Uh, and yeah, it's uses- essentially if... If you had somebody, you were flying around in Iron Man's armor and someone was on your back, then took a knife and cut out the arc reactor and was just like, oh, cool, I I want this thing. And they just let you fall. It's just so twisted. Yeah. Uh, This is is one of my other favorite panels. As Frank is now just plummeting towards the earth, he uses the, the, essentially the arc reactor right as he gets towards uh, the the ground, he, he activates it. And uses it like a like a repulsor. So the, yeah, the best yeah. part about this is he doesn't just have a glove from the the suit. Yeah, he has he he cut he the guy's hand, hand off. off yeah. pulled the hand out of the the glove, put his hand in the glove, <laughs> took the 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 arc reactor that he ripped out from the guy's chest yeah. and set it up and Jerry rigged it into the the gauntlet so that he could stop himself from dying. Yeah. It is so awesome. And in the in the kind of like I said the just the the positioning of his body where you can just feel the motion of his the gravity pulling him towards the earth of the of the the motion kind of moving him down as he activates the repulsor and kind of just stabilizes himself, you know, 6 feet from the ground. It's just so perfect. It's such a great action scene. It's such a great actiony kind of uh, we've talked a lot about how this feels like a 
really awesome kind of diehardy style 90s action movie uh, in so many ways. Uh, it is just like the perfect final set piece for his journey to Chernaya. Then we go back to the States where Nick Fury is, uh, you know, continuing to watch what's happening here. He gets a visit from someone who is equally unhappy that Frank Castle has the War Machine armor as Frank is headed back to the United States. And that will take us to the next arc, uh, which we have previewed. Uh, we did a little interview with Matt Rosenberg on Marvel.com about it. Check it out. Uh, you get more details in there. Uh, I don't want to spoil it too much, but uh, you know, people are unhappy with how he's treated uh, essentially the iconography of James Rhodes uh, in his absence uh, since Civil War II. Uh, so, uh, it's going to be, it's going to be Punisher up against some formidable foes, uh, moving into the next arc. And I cannot wait. Yeah. Uh, I, I got to give extra love to Gyu here. Uh, the Punisher that he draws is a little bit inspired by John Bernthal, Mm -hmm. like some of the, the, the way he moves, the way he looks, that sort of sleekness, um, come, but in a similar vein, feels a lot like Steve Dillon's Punisher. Mm. That sort of monster of a man, unstoppable, like terrifying force of nature. And and it's this like mix of the two that I think adds this and with like a little bit of almost a harder edge. Yeah. It, it gives it a very distinct style. And and his Punisher has been really, really good. Uh everything's been so nonstop in this in this book. It's tremendous. Yeah. Also tremendous, and unfortunately, the last issue, it's Black Bolt number 12 and is written by Saladin Ahmed, art by Christian Ward, letters by VCs Clayton Cowles. <sighs> Again, this is another book. It, we've only had 12 issues. I probably mm-hmm. put it on my list four to seven times, yeah. somewhere around there yeah. in the yeah. last year. I mean, this one will go down in the annals of, of Marvel. I mean, this is an incredible uh, landmark run. Yeah. And it, it, it's an interesting one because Black Bolt's one of the most powerful characters mm-hmm. in the Marvel Universe. But he's he's also one of the weirdest and I almost least developed uh, mm. as a as a singular character on right. his own. He's right. always been very defined by the Inhumans or defined by the royal family. Mm-hmm. And there was the great Christopher Priest Inhuman story that gave him a lot more depth. And there have been, you know, Inhumans books over the years that have done well. But Nothing on this level, nothing of this caliber that said that gave you a picture of who Black Bolt is uh, and and how important he is uh, to the Marvel Universe right. as like a, a force for good. Mm-hmm. Uh, and here we then reflect that and find out how important the people around Black Bolt become to who Black Bolt yes. is. Yeah. Uh, whether it's Lockjaw, mm-hmm. the greatest dog in the universe, mm-hmm. uh, or you know, Medusa, who there's this, you know, we see them embracing on the cover. Uh, so I don't, is that giving away too much? But there's that sort of sense of um, there may not be man and wife. They may not be king and queen anymore, but they are so intrinsically connected to each other mm-hmm. and important to keeping each other up. Yeah. Uh, even if it's not a love, there is a support there that is so important. Or Black Bolt's friends, uh, where you've got Absorbing Man and Titania who have now become this really important part in defining Black Bolt, yeah. right? Yeah, huge uh, supporting characters huge. in the series. Yeah. And his family, where you have Ahura, his son, and there's just wonderful father-son things oh, yeah. here. And like, you know, 
we we get reflections on Black Bolt through the eyes of his son and seeing that like the choices that Black Bolt has made or lack of choices he's mm-hmm. made in favor of his son have actually been really like thoughtful and he's been trying to think about and, and help him but in ways that he was not emotionally equipped to support his son. Yeah. He's done the best that he can, but we see that Black Bolt's childhood was a nightmare. Yeah. And, you know, the things that he went through sort of crippled him for being able to be a good dad. Yeah. Uh, and there's wonderful breakthroughs in there. Uh, Blinky here, both mm-hmm. friend and sort of family. Mm-hmm. Like, all those things really go to the core of, of what this character is. And it's, you know, seeing that, I think, makes it so much. And then you have the villain. The villain is the jailer through this, mm-hmm. this storyline. Just this horrible terrible mean un seemingly unkillable yeah. evil yeah. but is also a reflection on black bolt and the inhumans mm-hmm. and this was caused by their own jerkishness yeah. uh and, and so there's there's so much here uh, everything about it has been you know wonderful we get a very human very relatable very vulnerable character mm-hmm. um Whereas before he was just like the guy who looked at you, didn't say anything. And then Medusa was like, hey, you suck. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> My husband says so. Right. Get out. Right. Now we've got so much more to yeah. it. It's yeah. It's been amazing. And Christian Ward's art was like. Unbelievable. Stunning. Yeah. Stunning. The nothing designs. Like yeah. yeah. Nothing like it. Yeah. No. You're right. There, there really is nothing like it. Uh, and. He it helps he's doing all the disciplines, the, mm-hmm. the penciling, inking, coloring. There's points in here where, you know, we see the jailer and the multiple faces on the jailer and the shapes and the the things jutting out from it, the sort of Kirby-ish uh, you know, circles and lines, but mixed in with just geometric shapes that mm-hmm. are uncomfortable. Yeah. And they should be. Like yeah. that's what he makes. And yeah. there's this moment where uh Black Bolt is summoning all his power to fight against the jailer. And it's this several page sequence where the jailer is, he's coming closer and Black Bolt is trying and you see a reflection of Black Bolt as a child and then Black Bolt as a, as a man and all these things. The The world is swirling. The panels mm-hmm. are breaking mm-hmm. around him. Yeah. Uh, and then you, you get inside Black Bolt's head. We pan in closer into Black Bolt's face and the emotion, the eyes. Christian Ward draws eyes right with such soul yeah. and depth yeah. uh fear anger love everything here it's, it's just yeah. put all out on the page it, it's such incredible artistry i feel like you you must be an outrageous talent to be able to uh to capture such chaos like that but make it feel so right and f- so organic and not look uh like like chaos to a reader it 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 you can just feel it you know there there's that there's that fine line where it just looks like you know you know just an accident happened on the page versus something that is so deliberate and refined down to every single dot and panel and everything on there uh and this entire series has just been like a ridiculous entry into uh that kind of artistry from 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 Christian Ward Totally. Yeah. Uh, and, and Saladin's narration, the dialogue, the the way he mixes in the terrifying horror moments, you know, with the jailer, with their subconscious moments, with the things that Christian is able to bring to life, 
to the really funny parts. You know, Black Bolt trying to make eggs. Mm-hmm. I, I, that sequence was great. Yeah. Absorbing Man of Titania, wonderful foils for, you know, for this whole story and like lightening the mood and giving uh, a more grounded depth mm-hmm. to it all. Mm-hmm. It's it, I, not to get hyperbolic, but this is one of the best 12 issue runs of any comic I can think of. Yeah. It's it's up there with me. Uh, highest possible recommendation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's back matter in here with a, a goodbye letter from Saladin Ahmed, Christian Ward, Clayton Cowles. Uh, and I think I want to give a big shout out here to Will Moss, the editor. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the editors don't get all the credit, you know, for being there to bring in creators, to champion their work, to help steer the ship. Uh, and I think look at a lot of the books that you love and see who those editors are. Yeah. You're, you're going to be like, man, I want to make sure I read the books that they're putting together. 100%. Yeah. Because uh, they probably share similar tastes to you. Yeah. I know Will and I share a lot of similar tastes mm-hmm. and sensibilities. Uh, so cool. Cool, cool, cool. Those were our picks. Woo. A lot of good stuff. Really good. Yeah. Uh, for the rest of our uh, chat about comics this week, check out Marvel's The Pull List. Um, ooh, one thing I nearly forgot, Tucker. Mm. It's uh, every other week. It's time for me to give one of my weird food. Oh uh, boy! Uh, Here we go. Phrases. Oh, so this comes courtesy of upcoming Fantastic Four writer Dan Slott. The uh, food phrase for the week is crinkly. Quackenbush. That is straight from Dan Slott's should, mind. Should you tell people how to spell that just so no. they get the hashtag right? Uh-uh. You're going to be searching all the options. They should be <laughs> tweeting it to me. Okay. Uh, that's the easiest way for this to happen. <laughs> so you guys can tweet crinkly quackenbush to me. Uh, you can also use the hashtag this week in Marvel before April 13th and maybe uh, maybe get a little something something. You know how it goes. Yeah. We have many of you do it. I have spreadsheets. I keep track. <laughs> I am happy to share what I can share. Uh just between us, just us friends, yeah. and the the crinkly quacking bushes, and thank uh, thank Dan Slot for now telling you what crinkly quacking bush is. Now moving on to some news. First off, with comics, earlier this week we did a little tease of a new story that Ryan alluded to earlier. It's called Extermination. Uh, e with a capital X. Ooh! Because you got to have that capital X. Uh, it's written by Ed Brisson with art by Pepe Larraz. Uh, an incredible cover from Mark Brooks. Uh, issue number one comes out in August. Uh, and it, it this is what the cover shows. We haven't announced anything. Don't know what it is. But the cover shows five the five original X-Men who have been displaced by time you, if you are going to C2E2, can visit the True Believers panel on Sunday uh, to find out a little bit more. Uh, I know you're hosting that panel. Mm-hmm. I, I'm so jealous. There's going to be so much good stuff at that. Um, but uh, uh, yeah, can't wait. Yeah, I, I, this extermination series, I remember in the most recent creative retreat where they were breaking it down mm-hmm. and, and explaining here are the beats that happen. And it's it's going to be neat. Ooh. It's going to be neat. Um, all right, on the TV front, just a reminder, uh, get on your TV set. Get on sit, it. Sit on top of your TV set. Like a gargoyle. And let the vibrations of Legion on FX fall into you. That's how you watch a show like fall this, right? Fall up. They yeah. will fall up into you. I mean, that's, it works. that works with Legion. With Legion? Yeah. 100% yeah. the way it happens. Yeah. Uh, Legion's back on FX. It's super trippy, super cool. The colors of the show are wonderful. Noah Hawley and the rest of the, the, the team just do such a cool job. Uh, 
Oh, and uh, Legion fans, check out Marvel's Voices' new uh, episode of the podcast where they talk to Jeremy Harris, who plays Patonomy Wallace on the show. Yes. Download it wherever you get your podcasts for the most part. And uh, yeah, check that episode out. Speaking of podcasts, speaking of great podcasts, Wolverine the Long Night, make sure to listen to the newest episodes uh, as well as the Marvel After Show where we break it all down on Stitcher Premium. And a final note. What? Four. Huh. Any of you Chicagoans? Chicagoites? Chicagians? Chicagians. Uh, any of you hot dog eaters with the, Whoa. With the uh, uh, onion powder and and- what? And pickle. Huh? Isn't that a thing? Yeah, I mean, yeah, but I don't think anybody wants to be called a hot dog eater with <laughs> onion powder and pickle. A residence of the United States of America's second city. Please go to C2E2, and if you're there, check out the cosplay contest uh, at C2E2 this year. Uh, first up, you can go to the Mar Marvel Cosplay Photo Op, which is on Friday uh, at 1 p.m. Central. That's on the Marvel stage, uh, number 327. Uh, and then don't miss the Marvel Becoming uh, C2E2 Costume Contest, which is on Saturday at 3 p.m. Central, and that's on the Marvel stage as well. Say hi to Judy Stevens. I think me and Lorraine are doing some of this stuff, too. So Say hi to we'll all be around of there. them. Yeah, we'll be hanging out. It's going to be great. You know what else is great? This chat we had with Chris Gethard. Oh, yeah. Check it out now. Hi. My name's Chris Gethard. Yeah. I'm the host of the Chris <laughs> Gethard Show on True TV, Tuesdays at 11 p.m. It's live. And it is wonderful. Thank um, you. Thank you for coming into to Marvel headquarters. This is a different headquarters than you were at the last time because we had you at Marvel. It would have been like 2008, yeah, maybe? It was back in the day. Back in the day. And I, I saw some of that video footage. It was like we were basically filming it with like – I don't, it wasn't even a real camera. It was like some sort of contraption, the quality on it. But we had a, a good time. So thank you for coming back years later. My uh, pleasure. And Truly. You've been doing so many things. Chris Gethard Show, for for our listeners who or viewers who have maybe not seen it yet, which would be crazy because it's so fun. And like there are so many YouTube videos you can check out and like greatest hits. If you had to choose one episode or one video from the Chris Gethard show for a fan to check out before they dive into the show weekly. What would you say? Yeah, if you're looking to check out the show, which I hope you are, I think the episode is, uh, we, we did an episode called One Man's Trash. Features Jason Manzoukas and Paul Shear. And the whole premise of the show is there's something inside this dumpster we have on set. You got to guess what it is. If you can't guess what it is, we're wheeling it out of here. You'll never know. And that sounds very simple. I know but I will tell you that uh, I, I don't want to spoil it, but I think it fulfills the promise that we put out there. And it's it's a very it's an honor. Uh, you know, a, a lot of people ha have actually said that they they um, even though it's a very underground show. Uh, even Seth Meyers, uh, he told me he thinks it's one of the best things he ever saw on television in that episode. So I'm not trying to pat myself on the back, but that's clearly the one to try to sell the sizzle. If you want to give me a shot, yeah. No, I, I, <laughs> Tucker chance. and I were talking about. For some reason, you came up on, on another episode of the show. We were talking about how, because I love Beautiful Anonymous, another oh, show that you, you do. Uh, and we were talking about your work. And and I think, Tucker, you said it is the single greatest episode of TV. Yeah. Like, There's nothing like, like it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Thanks. That episode. I'm like, I... I was like, I sat my wife down. I was like, we're watching this. She's like, what is it? Chris Gethard show. She's like, oh yeah, I love Chris. Let's watch That's it. awesome. And she was like guessing through the whole show. And she's like, tell me, don't tell me, tell me, don't tell me. Because I had already watched it. And it was, 
It was a roller coaster. It's yeah, it has some real turns that you don't see coming. Some real twists. I'll tell you, it's a. I, I think, uh, you know, that that's an episode that was on our old network, and uh, I, I will tell you that the we, we we butted heads a lot, and I I begged them. I said, just let me do one that's totally my way. Just let me try it, and then it was immediately labeled one of the best episodes of television ever. And I said, please, please. <laughs> Please and uh, I say I say please a lot in my life, um, but yeah, I'm, it, we're just trying to chase that level of like simplicity, interactivity, funny. Trying to also just allow our fans to participate, and uh, I'm very I'm proud of the show. I'm proud of the show. I'm proud of that episode, and I I, I do think uh, you know at the end of the day, we're just trying to kind of like build a weird world for people to get lost in, and I think uh, fans of Marvel are probably. That's probably a part of what you're a fan of if you like Marvel. So I I was very influenced by it and informed by it. And I think you will see that. You'll see the DNA of my comic book fandom in my show for sure. And, and you know, one of those things is you have some, some colorful characters who are on the show. One in particular is Human Fish. Yes. You know, Human Fish. And I was thinking Human Fish. Versus Namor and the Submariner. Who wins? Oh, Who I wins? Namor, it be, be, hands down, hands down. <laughs> Human fish is a confused and overwhelmed boy at the end of the day. I would imagine they might know each other. I would imagine they might know each other, yeah. Yeah, yeah maybe yeah. maybe Human Fish dated Namora or Namorita at some point. Namorita, I haven't Na- thought about that in a few years. <laughs> right? I haven't heard that name in a while. I was try- Namorita, I think, is the clone of Namora, who was Namor's cousin, I think. Man, I try to get that stuff in my head right, all the time. Yeah, and was a new warrior, I believe. Yeah, right, she was a new, new warrior. warrior. My brother's all-time favorite comic series, The New Warriors. Nice. Yeah. What was your all-time favorite comic series? Uh, I mean, X Men, Spider Man guy. At the end of the day, my all-time favorite uh, run growing up was uh, the Peter David's first X Factor run. So you can imagine too, as a comedy kid seeing someone take the X-Men world and treat it sort of lightly and with both, I think, in the art and the writing, a lot of jokes, a lot of tongue-in-cheek stuff, thought it was so good. Um, now that Marvel Unlimited exists, I also have the chance, you know, all of us, there's, there's, you hear about runs that existed before you were born even or maybe when you were a kid and didn't have money to buy everything you wanted. And I've been able to go back, just read, I, I can't believe it took me so long, uh, never huge on Thor growing up, but finally went back and read Walter Simonson's run. And I was, I mean, my jaw dropped. I couldn't believe, I, I'd always heard it was good and I still think it's underhyped. I cannot mm-hmm. believe the level of quality with it to the point where I had just read it and then spent, you know, a couple hundred bucks on the omnibus because it's, my wife got it for me for Christmas. It was all I wanted. It, it's just brilliant. I think it's just brilliant. So um, I've been real nerdy about that and telling all my friends to go read it. But I didn't really... Who knew that Beta Ray Bill is the best character of <laughs> literally all time? When Marvel cards first came out in like what, like 90, 91? The fir- yeah, that? the first series was 80, uh, 80 nine, I was in 89. fifth grade, so 89, yeah. right? Like I remember getting the Beta Ray Bill card and being like, "Who? what is this orange, orange Thor? All right, whatever. <laughs> Never really thought about him again. And I read it. I was like, oh, it turns out he's my favorite character in the history of literature. <laughs> Who knew? <laughs> and I don't, I defy anyone to totally explain why Beta Ray Bill is like such, he hits you in the gut in a way that you can't, it doesn't even make, it's such a big swing by Simon Santa of the Gate. I can't explain to you why he's the best. He's the best. And he's I think the best. P- 
people talk like, oh, the horse Thor, and they joke about it, like that does a disservice to how like much character is in the, the heart, the soul of that character, and how important he is to the like the Asgardians, Thor as a as a person. Yeah. He makes Thor stronger. Yes. And he makes Thor kind of have to step up and embrace his actual potential because he challenges it in his father's eyes. <laughs> who saw but also I would say again, like you said, so much heart and so many layers. But his origin is straight up. He shows up one day and he's like, I'm a guy who lives on a ship and the ship has my people on it and you've never heard of those people. Anyway, hi. <laughs> P.S. My name is the cheesiest thing you've ever heard. But three pages in, you're going to be obsessed with me. Yeah. It's incredible. Yeah. That, that, that's such a great run. Now, you talked about X Factor. Um, one of the, the things what we did <laughs> yes, years we, ago. We, we, you have helped build the legend of this. By did I? Well, because I have a very cult fan base. And one of the things about a cult is they sort of obsessively consume stuff. And I believe because of you, they all went and found this uh, stain on my childhood. So there's, there's two pieces to this. The first is X Factor number 100, which has the death of Jamie Madrox. Yes. Uh, which now at this point he's died a bunch of times. So yes, of course. It's comical. Legacy virus. Yeah. Which which was a heartbreaking thing. I, yeah. You know, and what and year? one of the one of the bold moves that the X universe has always taken. You think about the year when that came out. I do not think that something that was clearly a, an analogy to a real life epidemic um, was an easy thing for them to do, and and really brave at the end of the day. Yeah. Of all so the creators to do. That's 1994, and. You're you're what like thirteen? Thirteen, yeah. yeah. I uh, turn I turn fourteen in May of nineteen ninety four, which is an important piece of information. <laughs> well, you'll see why later. And then so five months later, this issue comes out. X Factor number one hundred five, and in the back, not the Crunch and Munch ad, but in the back is the letters pages, exchanges uh, where people would write in, and then like the first one is like <clears throat> James Madrox. Comma. Like people are addressing this to, yeah. you know, Jamie Madrox. There's just people writing poems about him. Like you go through all this stuff and there's a letter in here by Christopher Paul Gethard from West full Orange, New Jersey. serial killer name. Also put my full <laughs> address, home address. And so you Ugh. you have this letter. What I've never written into a comic book. So yes, I don't, yes. like I've thought about it over mm-hmm. the years as a kid, stuff like that. And, and I never wrote in. I never had anything printed. Yeah. What What was going through your head as a kid at that point? Well, I wrote a handful of letters. I remember specifically uh, writing the X-Men about my opinions on the Beast. I remember that. <laughs> I also remember uh, drawing a character that was uh, fire. He was a, able to wield fire and just putting it in an envelope and saying, you guys can just have this. <laughs> I remember that. I routinely would rile off an ill-advised letter to Marvel as a kid. It happened about a half dozen times. And I was just so sad when Madrox died. I loved, I can't tell you, I loved this X-Factor run so much. You have to remember the historical context, if I want to be a big nerd. X-Men are like the big kids on the block in the whole world of comics and increasingly in pop culture. We can agree on that. Yeah. Like, this is around the same era when they did like the uh, X-Men number one, variant covers. Every kid knew Wolverine at this point, but they were still kind of underground and cool. This wasn't Spider-Man. This wasn't some of the icons from the other company. Uh, you know, like th- they were still, it was like this cultural moment. X-Force was coming out. Everything's big guns and, and you know, and, and cartoon bodies. And uh, then all of a sudden you got X-Factor, which has always been maybe not the the crown jewel of the X-Family. 
And Peter David not only takes it over, but it's like, let me take all the outcasts and B characters, put them in their own book, have them sort of acknowledge that they're not the kingpins. We're talking Madrox. We're talking Guido. This is Lila Cheney's bodyguard. They're joking around. We got not Cyclops. Nope, his brother Havoc. You know what I mean? Like, So to a kid who felt like an outcast and a kid who wanted to be funny, this was built for me. This was built for me. So I became very, very obsessive, very attached. I've always had an obsessive personality. And when Madrox died, I cried. I cried my eyes out. And then I wrote a letter and detailed that I cried. And if you ever go back and find this issue and read this letter, I would later become actually well-known. I did a special on HBO about my issues with depression. And when you read this letter, I will maintain you will, you, you, if you read it, you're like, oh yeah, that's a 13-year-old who doesn't realize that he has a medically diagnosable mental disorder and all, all of the clues are contained within the back of X Factor number 105. It's really yeah, I, hard I, to read. I, and I mentioned that I was turning 14 that year. I, about, they published this five or six months after I wrote it. They happened to publish it, I believe. Let's check the date. Yep, that's August 1994. Let's ma- remember, I entered high school September of 1994. My older brother was a senior so there were photocopied uh, <laughs> renditions of this just being handed out. I still have a very good friend to this day, one of my best friends in the world, who the first time I met him in a class, he was sitting, uh, it was, it was a journalism elective, so it was freshmen and sophomores. He was a sophomore. Turned around, he walked in, I was sitting there, he walked in, he goes, hey, you're the kid who cried when the multiple man died. <laughs> and that's how I met one of my best friends in life to this day. But some of these lines are heartbreaking. Yeah, we're going to, we'll, we'll repro- if it's okay with you, we'll reproduce the, uh, the letter in, uh, on, on Marvel.com that Absolutely. goes along with this. And uh, let's everybody just keep your eyes peeled for when I say, I feel that he should stay dead. <laughs> keep in mind that. Talk, the part where I said, where's the part where I say, uh, I remember his mayo jar trick and all those one-liners that kept me sane. Weird thing for a child to say, kept me sane. Jamie was almost a friend to me and I'll miss him. Not he was like a friend to me, not I identified with him. He was almost a friend to me. The cries for help from a child who doesn't have many friends in real life. And you you just saw, for anybody watching, I just had to close that because the pain is too real. <laughs> well, thank you for reliving this with us. Uh, shout out to Crunch and Munch. <laughs> always good uh, when you need a bite. Um, uh, I, I do want to talk a little bit about uh, Career Suicide because um, that is phenomenal. And I, I want to say thank you for doing oh, it because thanks. I think it's a really... Uh, impactful, uh, important, and moving show. It's incredibly funny, but the you know, and and the way you stage it, the the light, everything about it, just like we're my wife and I were captivated watching. Thank it. you so much. That's very nice of you. And I'm happy to put it out there. Yeah, I, I'm I'm upset that I didn't get to see it live, but I'm glad that it is it is available for people to watch. Uh, and listening to Beautiful Anonymous, I know how you talk about a lot of people watch it on planes which is yeah. crazy. It turned out that um, Career Suicide, which is a 90-minute special about, it's funny, but it's a lot of, it's dark. It's about depression. Some Australian airlines um, really uh, carry HBO and really push that to the front of the line. And I would tell you, it got big in Australia, largely because of flights, because of people on flights to and from Australia. Oh. Weird. Wild. How uh, life works. I will say your, your note about your wife uh, and the cabinet doors 
That is oh, yeah. like I 100% like the reality. And I, I looked at my wife I was like this part. No. And she, she just started. She burst out laughing because oh, God. She, like there are cups around our house sometimes like in, in the movie signs or, you know, like lights are. I'm like, Elizabeth, why are the, all the literally all the lights in yeah. the house are on right now? Yeah. We were going to sleep. <laughs> yeah. And I, I love it. But my OCD isn't even that bad. But I tell you, uh, living in a space with someone, it's just it's impossible for a spotlight. It shines a spotlight on all of it, on every corner of my OCD brain. It's just I had a friend come over once who walked in and literally every cabinet in the kitchen was open and was like, wow, that's real. That's real. I was like, I was that. Every comedian exaggerates. That part was not exaggerated at all. Yeah. And th- there were so many parts in, in the show that I, like, I, I connected to on a, a number of levels. I'm so sorry to hear that. <laughs> no. I'm it, so sorry to hear that. But it, it, <laughs> wor- hearing you work things out is really, it's really sweet and really special. Thank you so much. Chris, um, I, I want to mention, it, it's, it's really interesting talking to you here today, uh, talking about career su- su- suicide. I have a fun connection I was going to bring this up. I was just going to lead you into it. Good job, Yes. So that's what's going on. That's that's where we are today. If we flash back a number of years, maybe five years at this point, five, six years, back when the Chris Gethard Show, the great Chris Gethard Show, was on public access television in New York City, Uh I... I I I helped work on the show. I was one of the goons who would Wait show a up second. to MNN really? and help do anything on the show. How I, long? I was how not, long were you in the ring with us? Like a year. A like year. A solid year. I'm so sorry. No, this <laughs> is so the thing. Sorry. No, no, this is the thing. I, it, I, I. It's like such an insane environment with so many great, truly great people. But like, I always took such a workman like uh, like approach to it. Where it was just like. Even though I was doing it just because it was the most fun thing to do, you know, once a week, I was still like, I'm treating this like a job. I would be serious. I'm not going to get in anyone's way. That's awesome. <laughs> this, right? Thank you for doing it. I'm yeah. so sorry. But I can, I, I will say, I, first of all, legitimately sorry that you worked on my show for a year <laughs> and I did not recognize you. Legit sorry. I will also say, you can say though, that public access studio, I would show up with like a big, with a suitcase full of gear and like. Uh, the banner we'd set up on one hand and the Stanford on another and dragging props mm-hmm. and like run in and set it up. And there were a lot of people from those days who legitimately would show up and help us and just never like, it's also an environment that's known, I think for the fan base and the people, like a lot of crippling shyness, a lot of people with social anxiety. So a lot of people who we'd all show up and kind of not talk to each right. other and just set it up and be like, let's go. And some people who work on the show to this day, like, uh, like Jersey Dave and 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 Banana Man, like producers on the show who you know from mm-hmm. back then were in the same boat of like we all just kind of showed up and did it together and yeah. then hung out. And I'm so sorry. No, no, I'm no, so sorry. No, I I think if if I knew that this would be the case years on, I would be fully pleased with how I handled myself <laughs> back then. Yeah, you also did stuff at UCB, and I know you have a history at UCB. We have a mutual friend who is, you know, a, a Marvel legend, a legitimate to me Marvel legend, Jesse Falcon, who yeah. was on the, the team Mother. A UCB legend in his UCB own right UCB legend as well. And a lovable madman. Yes. I don't know how much Marvel fans know. I, I think people, it was fun to get to know Jesse as a comic book kid. I'm sure, did you ever go to his old apartment when he was uh, in New York? When it was it like 37th 35th. or 35th? 35th. It was every boy's fantasy he managed to grow the the person we all want to be when we're little nerd kids he successfully grew into as a man 
Like a handsome his, one. Uh, he he was strikingly beautiful. I'm sure he still is. <laughs> Haven't seen yep. him in a couple of years. I was texting with him today. I saw him about a month or two ago. Yeah. His house was full of nothing but cool toys, yeah. collectibles, statues. He lived like in the heart of New York City in this dope apartment. He had all the walls painted. Like instead of just painting them like a normal adult human being, it was all comic book imagery. It was all panels. I am sure he brought in actual artists that he just knew to do that. And man, he was the life of the party at the early UCB days, <laughs> made everybody feel good and just was like, no, I'm the nerd that grew into the alpha male and then rejected the alpha male thing to just be the alpha nerd. Yeah. He's I- the fantasy. His name is Jesse <laughs> Falcon. It's not even a stage name. Correct me if I'm wrong. He yeah. invented Hulk hands. Like, so, yeah, that's what I wanted best. to get to. He he invented Hulk hands. He helped create the entire line of Marvel Legends and what we as you know comic book collectors and the you know, the big awesome toys that we get from Hasbro, the build of figures, all those things. That's Jesse. That yes. he is so important to me as, as as who we are and what we enjoy about modern you know collecting and toys that like. When he's not, his praises aren't sung, it just drives me nuts because yeah. he's so great. And I think all of that is because, again, he, you know, you hit an age. You, you have this nostalgic thing for childhood, but you remember when you started getting interested. You know, when you start, maybe your voice is changing. You get different priorities in life for a while. And then some of us come back to comics. He is someone who never left, never forgot what that felt like, and who I think can produce those things because he 100% never lost touch with what it felt like to be the kid that he was. And it's a really beautiful thing. And he's done some great work, both in, in, in uh, you know, the, the Marvel field and in comedy. I think it really showed up in both places. He's the best. Yeah. And that's not even a stage name. <laughs> that is not a pen name. That's not an alias. <laughs> he was born. It says it on his birth certificate, Jesse Falcon. My name says Chris Gethart. Do you know how jealous I am of his, of him and his muscles and his piercing blue eyes and his success in a field I always dreamed of? When my whole career has come down to the fact that I am depressed and weird, and he's Jesse Falcon. And then I can't even be mad at him about any of it because he's the best. Yeah. So shout out to Jesse Falcon. We love you. Um, Chris, thank you for coming. I... We're going to wrap this up, but I would love to to have you on for another episode. I want to talk about I'd punk rock, it. especially oh, yeah. like we're very similar in age. Uh, probably went like the Melody Bar. Other oh, play- yeah, like, you went to the Melody? Sure they did. knocked it down my sophomore no, year. Yeah, my yeah. sophomore year, they knocked it down. I didn't, are you a Jersey guy? Have we talked about Long this? Long Island and Queens. Okay, so, so we've we listened would go to a bunch like, of the same bands. Yeah. Were you into more of the hardcore stuff, yeah. though, with Queens? Yep. Yeah, I can yeah. see it. Yeah. I can. I, we, I see the crossover. Yep. I was a pop punk kid. Yeah, I, and I know, and I, I want to talk about that and, and a whole bunch of other things. I could stay here all day, but I got a network notes call. <laughs> it's all good. Uh, <laughs> I got to go get told. <laughs> oh, God, I got to go get told all the things I'm doing wrong. Uh, we also I want to talk about a little bit of Wolverine Long Night. Next time you hear a pro yes. Wrestling, yeah. beautiful, anonymous. Because I legitimately, absolutely love and want to like. There Thank are episodes. I Can I talk say to one about. thing about Wolverine? Long yeah, Night. please. Wolverine Long Night. They've put my name in a lot of the press releases, which is very nice. I was excited to do it. A lot of my fans are like, "Now you're in Wolverine: The Long Night. That counts. You're in the Marvel Universe." When you see the role I play in Wolverine: <laughs> Long Night, and you realize that this was in the press releases, and that people are getting excited. You are going to laugh and laugh and laugh and laugh. That's all I'll say about it. That's fair. Uh, for uh, the Chris Gethard Show, Tuesdays on True TV. And I got to ask, how, how cool is it 
or maybe weird to see giant posters of your face in the subway because I ride the subway and I'm like, there's Chris. And I tell it makes you, me so happy. It's cool, but also I will tell you, like, I'm, I, 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 after years of struggling, I, am, I understand that I've had a recent hot streak. I am successful, at least the past few years. Who knows how long it'll last, knock on wood. That being said, I am not successful enough that I don't have to take the subway. I'm still a normal guy. I live in Queens. I'm not a fancy person. So I don't have the luxury of like taking cars everywhere. Like I have to get on those subways. And the, like I was once standing next to one of those LED um, subway ads that switches mm-hmm. every 30 mm-hmm. seconds or so. And this woman came up to me and was like, uh, I know you from somewhere, right? And I was like, oh, I don't know. Uh, maybe I get very uh, tense sometimes. I have a lot of anxiety. And she was like, I think I've seen you somewhere. And I was like, maybe, maybe. And then all of a sudden it switched to a picture of my head next to me. And she was like, you're from the show thing that's next to you. And it blew her mind. And I almost uh, just like melted into a puddle of shame. <laughs> no shame needed. The show is great. You're great. Thank you for coming on. Please. Uh, I wish I could say we could. I mean, I honestly could talk all day and I wish I could. But uh Gotta go I, get a... <laughs> I gave you some suggestions for Thor. Well, uh, maybe oh, you, yeah. you start to read some of those. We'll come yeah. back. We'll talk about those. Whatever you want to talk about, uh, come back again. Good luck on your call. Good luck for the rest of this season of the Thank Chris Gethard so Show. It's awesome. It's super fun. It, go on YouTube. Check out the the Chris Gethard Show channel. Uh, go to True TV. Check out the episodes. It's phenomenal. Thank you so much. Okay, uh, that was great. I love Chris. Make sure you watch the Chris Gethard Show. It's the best. Yeah. It's really great. Uh, on to our community segment where we have your questions and comments. Use the hashtag this week in Marvel or email us at twimpodcast at marvel.com. A couple that were answering our question of the week from last week. Chris Spence says, if I were the fifth member of the Fantastic Four, my power would be the ability to harness the power of a quasar and direct all that massive energy at will. Ooh. I, meanwhile, would like to harness the power of a Quiznos. So you'd like melt a sandwich? Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Another one in here from the Tech Lord. uh, He says, my fantastic fifth power would have to be something like what Dan Slott mentioned. I would want want it to be an unnatural power, like technology or magic, to offset the four natural elements that already exist. I think that means that I would be Doctor Doom. Uh, (laughs) Hey, Lex, please do not be Doctor Doom. We do not need another Doom. Yeah. Uh, things kind of go wrong when someone is Dr. Doom. <laughs> uh, thank you for those. Uh, a couple tweets in here from Simon Williams. Uh, he says he was surprised that I let Dan Slott make a cake analogy, given my distaste mm-hmm. for cake. Mm-hmm. You know what? I was just having Famed. Such- Noted. Yeah. yeah. Cake's gross. Yeah. Cake is awful. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Deal with that mysterious third person, fourth person in the room. Uh, cake is not okay. I'm a pie guy, always pie for life. <laughs> I should just get a slice of pie tattooed on me and say, cake, go to hell. You got to do that. Oh, man. You got to do that. That'd be awesome. I actually should. All right. <laughs> well, we'll dig into that later. But yes, I was just too excited for for the announcement and having CB and Dan on the show. Uh, I let that one slide. That's on me, Simon. <laughs> Thank you for calling me out on that one. Uh, Simon's Twim of the Week for March 28th was Black Panther 171. The fight between T'Challa and Claw was the best part. And he has a question about the end of Black Panther 171. Uh, it wasn't sure about the character who showed up at the end. That was the adversary. Mm. So the adversary is a character who was in, I believe, Fall of the Mutants uh, that... if. I- 
if I recall correctly, I'm uh, doing this from the top of my head. Mm-hmm. Storm and Forge had to battle, uh, and it was he's this sort of mystical monster of a of a creature. So uh, that's the adversary. We'll be seeing more of him in Black Panther, but you can t- check out uh, Fall of the Mutants for that one. Nice. Uh, uh, Lex Pendragon says, Inara and I were playing video games, and I blanked out and couldn't think of any other good battle cries. I've got It's Clobberin' Time, Hulk Smash, and Imperious Rex. Can we name any others? Uh, obviously, Avengers Assemble, mm-hmm. you know, uh, jumps to mind. Embiggen for Kamala Khan. Uh, less so a battle cry and more just like yeah. an exclamation of, yeah, whoa, yeah. I got big. Yeah, yeah. Uh, My favorite one is is when uh, is when people say, let's fight. <laughs> wow. <laughs> really killing it, Tuck. Those are the ones that pop to the top of my head. If any of our listeners have any more that they want to share, tweet to at Lex Pendragon, L-E-X-P-E-N-D-R-A-G-O-N and me. Uh, I would love to hear more. That yeah, it's, are- it's a fine line between like, between catchphrase and and like battle cry versus like exclamation of surprise, right? You know, there there's so many different variations. Yeah, Human Torch is like flame on, but that's really just like for some reason he says it when he does it, right? Kind of thing, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, or there's plenty of them. One more from Lex. He uh, tweets out a picture of his daughters, Inara, who's nine, and Majel, who's five. They look adorable hanging out with Spider Man. They both love Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur as well as the Unbeatable Squirrel Girl. They just started Amazing Spider-Man Renew Your Vows, all great comics. Uh, They also enjoyed Mjolnir's origin story in Thor and Danielle Cage's story in Luke Cage. With the end of Wasp and Monsters Unleashed, they need new books. Do we have any suggestions for them? Um, They're nine and five. So, Hmm. you know, I I think you hit on a a wide variety of possible stories. I think Runaways could be good. I mean, you know, Molly's a little bit older, but Mm -hmm. she's still, uh, you know, a fun kid in the midst of some family stuff. It could get a little heavy. Uh, Mm -hmm. So that's, uh, you know, your mileage may vary, Lex. Obviously, I would say Ms. Marvel. Yeah. Ms. Marvel's great. It's it's fun and poppy. It also deals with some heavy stuff, but Kamala is such a great role model. Incredible, And such a great hero. Uh, I highly suggest that. Champions could be really cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, it's like a group of younger heroes. They're not kids so much, but uh, I do like seeing that. Uh, and uh, you know, there's tons of stories from you know older things that yeah. you can give them. Maybe if you have a, an iPad or something uh, to check out some digital comics. Power Pack for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a you know a bunch of Power Pack limited series that came out in the 2000s. My favorite being uh, Thor and the Warriors Four, hmm. which is uh, Art by Gudehiru and written by my buddy Alex Zalbin. And it has uh, Thor teaming up with Power Pack. And at one point, Thor and Beta Ray Bill and a bunch of other Asgardians get turned into babies. <laughs> and if you want to see a baby Odin with Come an on. eye patch, you're going to want to read this yeah. book. It's really good. Uh, all the Marvel Adventures and Marvel Ages books just perfect for their age. They're, they're all ages. They're fun. They don't talk down to kids. Mm-hmm. They sort of are great for anybody who wants to dig in. And, oh, ooh, ooh, Franklin Richards, son of a genius. We did a ton of Franklin Richards books over the years. We haven't done it in a while, but Chris Eliopoulos sort of write, wrote and drew them almost like a Calvin and Hobbes type Marvel story. Hmm. It's really super, That's super awesome. fun. So yeah, great. those are some suggestions, some current stuff, some classic stuff, uh, but I'm sure more will pop up in time. Love this question, Lex, and I love you 
for getting the, the girls in the comics young. Yeah. That's the way it should be. It's the best. Everybody, all kids should be reading Marvel comics at the age like six months. And if they can't read them yet, you discipline them. Oh my God. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> We're good. Um, We're all on the same page now. Um, Great. All right. That's, gulp. Uh, <laughs> that's our episode. Uh, ooh, our question of the week is going to tie to Marvel Spider Man for PlayStation 4. Uh, let me know what version you've pre-ordered or let us know what version you've pre-ordered and uh, which of the bonuses you're most excited for, which is the DLC or is it the spider punk outfit? Is it the, you know, the bonuses, the avatars, is it a physical thing? Mm-hmm. Let me know what you're, you're Are you getting. in with pins. Are you in with pins? Come on. Hashtag in with pins. Yeah. I'm sure that someone's used that for <laughs> yeah. nefarious ends already. <laughs> yeah. Ooh, we're jumping on a minefield, Tucker. <laughs> All right. That's it. I'm going to go to Chicago. I'll see y'all in a couple of days. There's going to be news about This Week in Marvel Mm -hmm. from Chicago. So next week, things will be different. Whoa. Stay tuned. Stay tuned. This is Marvel. Your universe.